Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. People of ages 21 and older to the Beers and Bible podcast, episode number 141. I'm Anthony. And I'm Michael. And that was hey. a really interesting <laughs> intro. You like that one? I'm uh, sure I'm sure we probably have some people less than 21, but listen, undecided. if you're less than 21, don't drink beer. If you're less than 21 and it's illegal for you to drink beer, don't drink it's beer. True. You could be in like Amsterdam. Yeah. Or Germany. Or Germany. Uh England. I don't know what the legal age because in England Beers is. and Bible podcast is worldwide, according yeah. to our stats on Anchor. So. According to according according to something, yeah. Oh man, it's a good week. It's a good week to have a little bit of beer, talk about the Bible, and we're going to do that tonight. But first, before we do all that, Michael, man, how's your week been? It's been good. We have been incredibly busy at work. That's um, a good thing. I was just telling you about just wrapping up a couple of big projects we've got going on and uh home stuff's going good. My wife's going out of town for a bachelorette thing this weekend. Good for her. Um, for her sister's wedding coming up in a few weeks. Um, so I'll have the, I'll have the two boys to myself for one night and nice. uh, hopefully we won't have any, any problems. You can uh, spoil them for that one night. Well, well, one of them's only three months, so it's not really going to be much. I'm basically keep him alive. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> I'll spoil the four-year-old. I'll I'll spoil the four-year-old a little bit. But how about you? you? What's going on, man? Man, it's just busy weeks. Um, you know, I was on vacation last week. You know, we always joke about like sharing a bunch of posts while we're on vacation. I shared nothing from vacation because, like, I just like I didn't pick up my phone unless I absolutely had to. Um, and so good. That's a good thing to. That's just a good rule to have when you go on vacation. Yeah, and unless you absolutely have to. Do handle something just don't yeah so i didn't i didn't post anything i didn't comment on anything i didn't i didn't do anything hardly on vacation except use it to um to call like lift rides and things like that so that's all we did but it was a good time we had a good week off i uh, got to have some family time down there in the world of the disney eat some good food play around ride some roller coasters dude i'm gonna tell you what if you're a roller coaster fan and you like Disney World, I'm going to encourage you to go ride Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Uh, Cosmic Rewind, because that might be one of the best coasters I have ever been on. Oh, wow. It is fast. It is technology-wise, it's unparalleled. Um, I've never been on Hagrid's motorbike ride, but I've I've heard that one's like the technology-wise, that one's the best. Mm Mm-hmm. I would gladly put it up against that because it is just, I don't want to spoil any part of it, but just to let people know that if you are a coaster enthusiast, you need to ride Guardians of the Galaxy because it is amazing. It's amazing. Well, 
uh, for reference, you have been to Disney more times in the last 12 months than I have been in the last, uh, what year is it? It's 2022. So like 15 years. Yikes. I'm sorry. So our family loves Disney. We love, I love Disney too. We just, we just don't, we don't vacation to Disney. (laughs) We do. So we do. And it shows, but yeah, we had a great time. Um, got to ride guardians of the galaxy again. It was awesome. And yeah, that's what we did. So now we're getting back into the swing of things. Of course, now Labor Day has passed us. And so we're back into the school routines. We're getting back into the, you know, getting everything done, getting ready for gearing up towards Christmas. Because that's what you do after Labor Day, I guess, is gear up towards Christmas. Because that's your next like big break, I think. I'm a, I'm a proponent for Christmas can wait till after Thanksgiving. That's fair. I know you start pl- the holidays. I, I know that. you. I know you start playing Christmas music like October first or whatever. But yes, the, the latest is November first, like the day after. Sometimes I will like the night of Halloween. I will start Christmas music the night of Halloween. Nope that that can wait till like the week of Christmas. That's how I am. Mm, I like Christmas music. I'm a weirdo though, so it's fine. Okay, so we've established all beer. that. <laughs> Let's drink beer because it's time for that. Um, what you got for tonight, man? Yeah, I'll I'll go for I'll go first. So tonight I have from Pontoon Brewing, based in, um, Sandy Springs, Georgia. Uh, this is the Quad Stack Belgian style quad with maple syrup. I don't know what the quad is. I'll look that up here in a second. It's pancakes, um, man. Well, that's pancakes. I mean it's it's got otters looking at a stack of pancakes on the can. Um, and I love pancakes. I would venture to say pancakes are better than waffles. So come at me with that if you want to. Um, I have a story about pancakes that I don't like pancakes, but it's all mind block for me. So okay, I'm willing fine. to admit that. Okay. Um, so this is a 11% ABV. <laughs> nice. Um, and I'm going to look up what a belgian style quad is while you're talking about yours belgian style quad so tonight i am i'm actually taking the the michael route tonight um i found the pal hannah paul hannah i don't know paul hannah punch smoothie sour from ghost train um this thing is a blend let me get over here to the website it is a blend of mango tangerine and passion fruit Mm. um and so it calls it an ambrosia of tropical goodness um, basically says it's a summer beer. So I'm, uh, since it's like the end of summer, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. It's only 5% ABV. Um, but it's a sour with low IBUs. So I'm hoping that I can make it through it because I'm typically not a sour guy, but the starburst sour mm-hmm. from a couple of weeks ago. And then there was another one. There was something else I've had recently that I was like, okay, I might, might let sours grow on me just a little bit. I'm so, not gonna do IPAs though. No, IPAs are hot trash. Um I've got IPAs in my fridge I need to pour out from weeks ago. Um, me too. <laughs> so a Belgian style quad is a strong as a dark strong Belgian style beer. Um amber to dark brown but peppery and bready. Um quads are known to be mild in their hoppiness and sweetness but very strong in their alcoholic volume. That eleven percent is very strong. I will give it. I, that. I, I, I just saw somewhere else that it's 
somewhere between nine and fourteen percent is typically where they land. So you're like right in the middle. I am right in the middle. So you have an uh, average quad. <laughs> I have an average quad. Yes. So let's crack our beers open and see what we have, um, because it's time. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. In the words of Rafiki from The Lion King, it is time. It is time. Okay, that smells like a stack of pancakes. So the one thing I've noticed about sours is their carbonation levels are low. This is oh, true. Oh, man. Look at that. That looks like orange juice. I don't know if you can. It looks a I little can, red yeah. in my camera. I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna distract you and make you spill your beer like I did last time. That's okay. I've, but, I've got uh, this. Mine but, has no fizz, but none. That's okay. okay. So sours tend to be like less carbonated, and that's like they don't do the dude. That's like zero carbonation. Mm-hmm. You sure that one's not flat? I'm not sure of anything. What's anyway, it so like? it smells like syrup. Nice. It looks like you like it looks like you put syrup in a microwave for like 30 seconds and made it real runny. That's what it looks like. That's what they did. It's a secret ploy. No, that's fine. That's why it's not carbonated. So what you're saying there about you sours? Um, so yeah, sours, they they tend to be a little hazy, like this one is, but mm-hmm. they tend to be low in carbonation, which has kind of grown. I think that's what's kind of grown on me because you don't have uh they don't make me burp as much. That's I've fair. noticed. So I I just enjoy the I just like sours. I don't yeah. really know how I don't know how to, else to explain it. So this one, you know how all right. So I always say that sours have the like the dirty sock smell or the the wet sock smell, I guess. Mm-hmm. This one does not have that. Hmm. So I'm 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 a little hopeful that this one's gonna be pretty good. It smells like uh it smells like juice is what it smells like. Well. So well, there's only one way to find out what we've got. Let's turn them up and drink them. Let's go. Bottoms up. Well, that's really interesting. So is mine. Hmm. All right, I gotta look this up again. So, admittedly, all right, hang on, come here. All right, so this is supposed to be mango, tangerine, and passion fruit. I'm not sure I know what passion fruit actually tastes like. You taste either of the other two. I definitely get mango, mm-hmm. and I can I can get tangerine. Okay, well. So two out two out of three is not bad. Two out of three is not bad, but it's like it's a weird, like it's not very strong. Like okay, so the the starburst strawberry was like boom in your face, and I with the sour or the strawberry, with the strawberry flavor, like Mm -hmm. the starburst flavor. Yeah, um, it did have a little bit of that kind of sour after the fact, Mm -hmm. but this one is not as strong. Like it's it's almost kind of weak to me. Like mm. I, I don't know. Maybe I was just maybe I'm overthinking. But it's the the flavor is good, but it's just not like boom, like mangoes, right? <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's not a bad flavor, 
and it's got a it's got good tartness to it. It doesn't it doesn't make me think sour. Um, I think I would I think I would personally put this in the in like a just a regular tart category, not necessarily a mm-hmm. like a full blown sour. Um, they say it's a smoothie sour. It's good though. I could see this being enjoyable, and at five percent, I could see enjoying two or three of them if you're hanging mm-hmm. out on the porch or something. Yeah. So I'm gonna think another minute on my on my rating, but but that's kind of where I'm at. How's the uh, the the quad? So it's very interesting. Um, it is very syrupy. Um, mm-hmm. and I was hoping for more like, I guess they didn't really say like, oh, it's gonna taste like pancakes, but you put pancakes on your can, which I seem to remember pontoon did something like that the first time I had them. What was the other pontoon that you it was, had? Uh, the gingerbread murder scene. Oh, that's right. So, um, I mean, it's good. It's got a really the the maple syrup flavor is is definitely there, um, but it doesn't feel strong. Okay, so like it's an eleven percent. Like I'm having to remind myself this is eleven percent. Don't drink it too fast. Yeah. Like, cause it's, it just tastes, it tastes really good. Um, mm-hmm. the flavor's good. It's nice and smooth. No bite, no bitter, anything to it. I mean, it's very sweet. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going to land rating wise either. Um, yeah. this, this one's hard to rate for me. Like, I don't, it's not bad. It is good. It's, it's actually really good. But the flavor is not as strong. I guess maybe it's just I was just anticipating in my mind. I'm trying to get down, see if there's a little bit more flavor. Mm-hmm. Like it just tastes good, but it tastes watered down. That's that's mm. the best way I can describe it. It just tastes watered down. Did you? No, it's been in your fridge for a few days. I was going to ask yeah. maybe if it wasn't I mean, cold enough or something. It's it's definitely cold enough. I'm wondering if it might be too cold. Because I got my fridge turned down pretty good. Mm. Okay, but I think I, I, I'm going to rate mine. Go go ahead with yours. I'll I'll have mine figured out. So um, I have come to learn that uh, five Luther beers are like instantly we know. There's mm-hmm. no there's no hemming and hawing about it. Yeah. So, this is not a five Luther beer. I'm going to actually give this one four Luthers. Um, it's pretty good. the The flavors the flavors actually really good. If you like syrup, um, mm-hmm. if you like sweets, um, this is definitely not one you could have multiples of in a night. I don't think. Um, but maybe you could. Maybe you hold your liquor better. I don't know. Um, but it, I mean, it's in that. It's really good. It's just. I was hoping for more of like the whole package of pancakes and syrup and everything. Yeah. Especially like my you... cinnamon bun from last week. Yes. Well, and what's funny is I looked in my, in the package store I went to today, I looked for that beer and I think I'm going to have to make a special trip to a different store because I could not find it. It would be worth it. It would absolutely I, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go to the really good store that's nearby. The really, nice. really good one. So anyway, so yeah, um, quad stacks going to get four out of five for me. It's good. And pontoon is, um, I think on their first, the first one I did with them. Let's see here. What did I give them before? 
I gave them four and a half Luthers on the gingerbread murder scene. So um, they're doing good. Pontoon, go. Pontoon's hitting about 475 right now. Nice. No, whatever. Doesn't so matter. I'm trying to see what, when did I what, do the blood orange? When, when are you going to do what are you going to do for ghost train here? So I'm trying to remember. Did I give the blood orange a five Luther rating? Or did I give it four? You gave it three and a half. No, no. that's Switchman Stash. I've done done several Ghost Train. There it is. Blood Orange. I gave it four. Okay. So this one to me is just, it's it's very similar to the Blood Orange. I'm going to give this one four Luthers too. Um, Okay. The flavor is good. I actually prefer the Blood Orange flavor, which is supposed to be, it's it's supposed to be very similar to this. I think the flavor was better in the blood orange. Maybe it was because it was that style. Um, but the flavor of this is really good. It's just, like I said, it's just watered down. It's like it, the best way I can describe this is you've had a Coke and it's been sitting in the cup for like 25 minutes and the ice is half melted. And like you kind of shake it up to try to mix it up a little bit. And then they, mm-hmm. like you get the Coke flavor, but it's just not as like, boom coke as as it was when you when you first first had it so it's like like that's what i would describe like somebody put ice cubes in this beer and the ice melted and that's what it tastes like um it's a good flavor but i wish it was more than it is because the flavor is good so mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm gonna give it four luthers it's good it's i mean it, as far as like sours are concerned it would definitely bump sours up a notch in my book um make me want to try another sour so there's that. At least it has that going for it. But the Powhanna smoothie sour punch or punch smoothie sour, however, it's going to get four Luthers from me. Um, so, yeah, there you go. So the Powhanna getting four Luthers from Anthony and the quad stack getting four Luthers from myself. This week, there's our beer review, and tonight we're going to continue our study through the books of the Bible, as we've been doing for the last several weeks. We are going to uh, take care of a couple of books here tonight. We're going to uh, discuss the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, So stick around with us, and we will be right back after this short break. Welcome back from that break that we take every week. We hope you enjoy that. Uh, Take a couple of seconds and get yourself, if it's the appropriate time, get yourself a beer, sit back, grab your Bible. Um, Hopefully you might be following through the book. Grab your book and join us. Um, So this week we're going to be talking about Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, Two really, I mean, really kind of fun stories, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of these guys are like a rebuilder, reformer, um, the stories of Israel after the exile. And this is the Babylonian exile that we're talking about. So this is like the end of Chronicles. Um, 
we're rolling into a time period somewhere like the middle of the sixth century. So like 538, 537 on into close to like 400, Mm -hmm. um, the fifth century, even somewhere into there. And so this is a time period and there's the rebuilding of the temple again, because the temple was uh, destroyed in 587 when Assyria came in, took over, they went into exile again. They're in exile uh, for a time period. And we're going to get to that a little bit in the prophets. Um, but this is a narrative. Uh, this goes back to a narrative. And that, I think that's why they're, they're grouped together here with the histories. Um, because this is more of a story. These two books are more of stories now. Yeah. Um, they do kind of carry some like almost quasi prophetic notes in it because you have like, um, you have Nehemiah's prayer and Nehemiah's uh, song and and you have some things like that where it's but it's not a it's not a like thus says the Lord you know Nehemiah is not standing up in front of Jerusalem like shaking his fist being like you guys are mm-hmm. idiots um I kind of well, wish the prophets would have done that well that they had every right no for me it was um very, it's a little confusing because we have like very obviously the histories the kings the chronicles mm-hmm. uh, judges even but then you get these these two books right before um. We're going to get it into Job and Psalms and pro- we're getting close yeah. to those books next. And then we get into the prophets like that are names and Ezra and Nehemiah are just names. Yeah. So to me, I'm thinking, oh, these are prophetic books. And then it's like, <laughs> nope, these are histories. <laughs> so they are I, closer to histories. Yes. So um, but what we're kind of a big focus here is is the completion, especially when we talk about uh, Ezra. Um, in Ezra, we're going to talk about the completion of the second temple. And there's a, there's a thing that you'll hear theologians talk about the difference between first temple Judaism and second temple Judaism. And there are some marked differences between those two. Um, historically, traditionally, they did different things. I mean, if I had to equate it to something modern, if I had to like give it an analogy to something modern, I would give it the analogy of um, fundamentalism versus modernism. Um, you had your fundamentalists who were like, no, we got to do it this way. And then you have your monitors who's like, we can take the same old message and we can give it a new kind of more modern twist and, and, mm-hmm. or, you know, g- give it more modern application. And, and so that's what I really equate first and second temple Judaism to, um, a lot of the same ideas and a lot of the same stuff, maybe just done a little different way. Um, okay. so, so just kind of like keep that filtered in the back of your mind there but you get to the book of nehemiah nehemiah builds the walls back around jerusalem um if you've ever done the class it's called walk through the bible um or if you were ever a kid they might have taught you to remember the book of nehemiah by calling him nehemiah uh, because he was a short guy kind of like zacchaeus in the in the new testament he was a short guy but his goal was to rebuild the walls. And so mm. he built the walls around Jerusalem. Um, so you got Nehemiah rebuilding the walls. Um, you got Ezra calling for reforms, uh, encouraging, calling the nation back to, and that, and I think that's why you get this whole like prophetic sense because it's a, it is a reform book. Uh, both of them are reform books. And so you have the nation in this sense of like, we're committing ourselves back to God. We're mm-hmm. being called back to God. 
And so I can totally get where you, where you're saying, you know, you see these as almost like prophetic books because they they kind of are, but it's it's definitely not a and the Lord said to Ezra and Ezra said to the people type mm-hmm. of prophetic book, which is what the prophets did. Yeah. So that yeah, I mean yeah, that's yeah. a very characteristic thing. So um that's really what separates them, but um we had had really up until these two books there's that that what we talked about last week at the end of Chronicles the national identity crisis where there was syncretism happening and there's Mm -hmm. Israel was not really distinct from the people groups that were around them. They, they were not noticeably different. Um, They had intermarriage going on. And that's one of the things that both of these uh, stories tell about is, is calling them out of this idea of intermarriage. And now I'm going to like tangent here for just a second, because I have heard people use this argument or these two books as examples against interracial marriage. Um, And I'm just going to go ahead and flat out say that is 100% not the point of this, these two Mm -hmm. books. Um, These are not talking about people who are uh, two different ethnicities getting married. What this is focusing on is people who are two different faiths getting marriage, right? uh, Getting married. And so, you know, I would equate this more to like what Paul says, where, uh, where I think it's Paul I'm trying to remember, it says, do not be yoked with an unbeliever. Uh, I think that's first don't Corinthians. Be, don't be unequally yoked. Yeah. Unequally yoked. Yeah. That's, it's definitely in the gospels, but I want to say Paul said something about it too. I can't remember off the top of my head, but anyway, um, this is more along the lines, but, and the reason that you're not, uh, unequally yoked in a faith type of marriage is because those two people would have two completely different objectives and neither one of them could fulfill their biblical role to each other at that point. And so that was what Ezra and Nehemiah, and that was why Moses, God told Moses to tell the people, Hey, when you go into the land, don't marry them because it's going to cause these kind of problems. Um, right. It was second so, Corinthians chapter six. Okay. I was thinking it was Paul. Um, and so, don't don't read this intermarriage thing as an ethnic based thing. It's more mm-hmm. of a faith based thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you you end up because of all that, you end up with this concern for renewal and reform in the nation of Israel and these calls to come back to the law of God, remember what the law of God was. Um, and that's gonna be when they go back into Jerusalem, they're returning to Jerusalem and and they're reforming their, their society, their culture. Um, they're rebuilding the walls. All of that kind of sets up our historical data. That's going to help us go into how we can apply the advice for reading these two books. So take us through some of the advice here for reading Ezra and Nehemiah. So when we read these two books, um, here's some, just some things to remember. Um, they share a lot of historical, uh, data, with Mm -hmm. the chronicles um so a lot of things are happening at the same time we talked about last week all these books that were written um or the events and a lot of the books in the bible are happening all at the same time yeah despite their placement in the bible so you may have you know the you know chronicles and ezra and nehemiah right back to back to back but you may have books separated by several other books that are all happening at the same time so yeah um, there's a lot of common historical data happening uh, between Ezra and Nehemiah in the Chronicles. Um, the author uses Ezra and Nehemiah as examples to call the people back to uh, purity of faith to Yahweh. Um, 
So remember, keep that in mind as we're reading through this. Um, uh, we get repentance described in the books as mm-hmm. directly related to the law and the motif of covenant faithfulness um, that happens in Ezra chapter 10 and Nehemiah 9 through 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and so repentance is all about where you stand in regards to uh, the covenant and how you're faithful to the covenant. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we, if we look at Nehemiah specifically, um, it's it's a key book because of the meaning of the walls of Jerusalem. Um, the these walls are not meant to only keep people out, but to establish and identify um, the people who live inside the walls. And yeah. and you know the walls are literally a barrier between yeah. what's going on inside and what's going on outside. Um, and Jerusalem is is a place where God had chosen for his name to dwell. Um, and when you, when you read and you see his name throughout these, especially these two books, you're going to be thinking presence. Mm-hmm. You're going to be thinking his, where he wants, excuse me, where he wants to be, where he is going to dwell yeah. physically. Um, that that's, you know, Jerusalem is the place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, here we look at the role that Persia plays. You know, it's important to recognize that role um, that they they play a role in in rebuilding the temple, in the completion of the walls. Um, it was the protection of Persia that allowed the temple completion and the walls to be built. Yep. Um, and you know, the the big reminder for for this is that God uses whoever and whatever country He wants at whatever time. Yeah, to bring about his plans to to mm-hmm. to to come, you know, to allow his plans to come to fruition. You know, it doesn't matter if the country is God fearing or not, or if they're um, pagan or whatever. God can use whoever to do whatever. Yeah, and I, I think it's important just on these on these last couple of points. Number one, the walls. Yes, they were designed to keep people out, and 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 I can hear, I can hear the echoes of my conservative friends right now. Build the wall, you know. Um, building a wall is not inherently wrong. The purpose of the wall is to get people to one place. You know, mm-hmm. it, just because the walls were built didn't mean you couldn't get in and out of Jerusalem. It meant that you had a place to go through. And so, and and because of that, there was form and there was structure, and that's what led to the identity of the people. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's you know for for the for my conservative friends, yes, uh, having a wall is a good thing. But for my liberal friends, guess what? The wall is only only serves as a pathway for people to do things the right way. Yeah. Um. So let's let's do it the right way. And and that was, you know, that's kind of the idea of the reform is it established Israel as a nation with a specific identity. And in that specific identity, people could join. I mean, there's, you read through the old Testament, everything that we've already read, there's stories of people coming into Israel who are not ethnically born Hebrews or Israelites. Okay. Okay. Quick reminder, the book of Ruth. Okay. Mm, yeah. You, you know, there are your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. You can embrace the Jewish or the Israeli, the Yahweh, 
God and you can have covenant faithfulness with him, even if you're not an ethnic Jew. Yeah. Okay. And that was, that was even in the old Testament. Yeah. And I was about to say that really points to what Paul's going to write later in the new Testament where exactly (laughs) Jews and Gentiles all together can come and worship Jesus and are going to worship Jesus all together. That's right. So ethnically, it doesn't matter where you stand because no. we're all going to come into the race of. I don't. I don't know how to. How do you? Jeez, I mean, we're we're going to have the, the children of God, the race yeah. of, of God's children. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So um, it, it's. I mean, th- just that point right there is very. Gosh, it's it just so shows how cohesive Scripture is all together. Yeah. Because you you see like this New Testament idea coming up in the old testament mm-hmm. long before we get to the point of paul writing to churches saying yeah it doesn't matter if you're jew or gentile or greek or whoever like it doesn't matter as long as you follow jesus it doesn't matter where you came from or what you've done or where or what you look like or whatever yeah the church is global um and even you see that as a a picture because even even the people who go back into Jerusalem, it's not all of the nation. It's a remnant. There is a remnant. And right. you're going to see that throughout. Um, you're going to see that throughout the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. They're, they're talking about the remnant who's coming back. It's, you know, this is this is not a mass restoration or a mass reform. Um, it, it is significant, but there there are people who who in the Jewish who were ethnically Jewish who were saying, yeah, I, you know, I'm moving on, you know, I don't, I don't trust, or I don't believe in this, this Yahweh, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's an interesting point on the walls. And, and then, and then on this idea of Persia, you know, I just want to add, yes, God can use whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, but that doesn't mean that that is, that nation is good at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, I think I think we have the story of like Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and all God uses Babylon, but in the end, God ends up destroying Babylon and he judges right. them rightly for their sins. Persia right. is not perfect. God uses Persia for his purposes, mm-hmm. but Persia is still a pagan country and Persia is still judged for their sins. And right. So, so, you know, just because God uses somebody or something doesn't make that person or thing good and mean right. that you should culturally support that person or that thing. Mm-hmm. Let the reader understand. I'm just going to stop right there because I will go off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, but so that gives us the advice that gives us the the kind of orienting data and how we're going to read through these books and I hope that sets them up for you pretty good. Yeah. Because we're going to we're going to blow through these this overview and just kind of paint a quick picture of what's happening in Ezra, what's happening in Nehemiah. Um because at the end of these books, uh the time frame that we're in right now, we're really getting close to that 400 years of silence. Um, the time when the prophets were no more and there was 400 years of silence from God between the last prophet Malachi and the, the coming of John the Baptist and, and Jesus. And so, so, you know, what we're going to be going into next with Job and Psalms and Proverbs, and then going through the prophets 
is really a like we're kind of kind of rehash a lot of what we've already done. Yeah. Um, but just from a different perspective, I, I think I've already said that. I think I said it last week on on how how this is going to play out timeline wise. So we're basically at the end, and then we're going to kind of go back and rehash through all of it again from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. We've given yeah. the Torah, we've given a history, and now we're going to kind of go back and do it again. So um, I'll take us through that that first section. The very opening of Ezra chapters one through six is the rebuilding of the temple. Mm-hmm. We have the narration. Uh, of the rebuilding of the temple, and this includes um, the setup for opposition that Nehemiah is going to face later. Uh, we're going to talk about that when we get to the book of Nehemiah while he's rebuilding the wall. So you kind of have this narrative of introduction mm-hmm. and the uh, narrative of rebuilding the temple. So take us through the next yeah. couple of chapters. Yeah, so uh, Ezra 7 and 8 uh, is the return to Jerusalem. We uh, the reader is introduced to Ezra and his reasons for leaving Babylon, um, and yeah, I just did a quick search just to see like why did Ezra leave Babylon? Um, the king sent him to Jerusalem to mm-hmm. teach the laws of God to any who didn't know them, um, and he leads a large body of exiles back to Jerusalem, where he's discovered that Jewish men have been marrying non-Jewish women which leads us into Ezra 9 and 10, which is the crisis of intermarriage, which we've already talked about a mm-hmm. little bit tonight, um, where the author notes that as people return to Jerusalem, they ha- uh, they've been they've mingled the holy race with the peoples around them. That is uh, directly from um, chapter 9, verse 2. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we have Ezra's prayer here. It sets up the issues they will face. Prayer focuses on the sins and has an attitude of repentance towards God. Yeah. Um, and Ezra, Ezra seems to be taking on the weight of the sin of the people, um, in taking it to God almost, mm-hmm. almost independently. Um, and, and he knows the seriousness of what's going on yeah, and that it's, uh, not what the people should be doing. Yeah. So. Parallel that right there to john chapter 17 when christ is praying before he's crucified and Mm -hmm. he prays for specific groups of people it's like he's bearing their burdens yeah and then scripture tells us as christians we should bear each other uh, each other's burdens yeah you know you have that setup you have that that concept or that motif that's already kind of been painted in the old testament that's going to be expanded and grown upon in the new testament so um Love that. Love that part of Ezra. Um, so we move into now, uh, we're already into Nehemiah. Well, I told you we we're going to book through this. Um, we're already into Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter one, verse, uh, or through chapter seven is the rebuilding of the walls. Um, Nehemiah is going to face some opposition here. Um, he goes back and forth. Um, but the reader gets details surrounding the rebuilding of the walls, how it was done, why it was done. And then, uh, you know, like I said, Nehemiah faces that opposition, but he stays faithful. He stays faithful to God's mm-hmm. law because he is he is calling God's people back again, just like Ezra was calling God's people back to covenant faithfulness under the law, through the law of God. And so so he's naturally going to get some pushback and 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 pushback is not always a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so you have to filter what that pushback is and how it's coming through, you know, through scripture and through what God's yeah. word says. Yeah. Pushback um, could be a good indicator that you're doing something right. It very well could be. So 
uh, always look, always be ready and, and examining those things that are happening. Um, but on the completion of the walls, um, the author goes not quite to the dedication that's going to come later. Um, but instead he inserts some details here to give us better context. And that's going to mm-hmm. come in through chapters eight and 10, eight through 10. So take us through chapters yeah. eight through 10. So we have the renewal of the covenant in chapters eight through 10. Um, and this is before the walls can be dedicated. The nation is brought into a time of covenant renewal. Um, the nation has been not following God's covenant for some mm-hmm. time. And this is, uh, an important part of, um, being able to dedicate the wall to uh, the people. And uh, we have this section being is uh, capped by a signing of a renewal between God and Israel. Mm. Um, this is mostly for Israel. This yeah. is, is much less, much less for God. God's been the same throughout Israel. all this for the yeah. record. God has not moved at all. Israel's the one that has strayed and they are, um, they are basically committing to, to stay back or get back onto into the covenant mm-hmm. and stay in covenant with God through um or for for a while. Yep. Um and then until, the next until they screw it up again. And and until like 10 minutes from now. Um so and then we have the next couple of chapters in Nehemiah um just is the resettlement and dedication of the wall. Um after this covenant royalty covenant loyalty, sorry is renewed there's a return to a return of the new community Mm -hmm. the priestly community and then the walls are officially dedicated um and then you know as they're dedicated there's much pageantry because of the return of the priests the levites are back um and that leads us to uh, nehemiah 13 so to close out nehemiah um we have this idea of the community Purity, uh, it's reinforced, mm-hmm. and you you kind of see the culmination of all the reforms that Ezra and Nehemiah have kind of been calling for and working for um, through their time. And with the community restored, there's an emphasis now on the sacred places um, and the purity of the assembly. And again, this idea of the rejection of the intermarriage, they're, they're being called back to a national identity of themselves. They're called Mm -hmm. back to being a people who are set apart, who do things differently. um, And because of the way that they do things differently, they're an example. They're a light to the nations who are around them. Yeah. And so, um, you know, again, throughout Israel or through the story of Israel, we see oftentimes how um, the church should be acting. Um, and so, you know, I would just say, how can the church apply this? How can we be in the world, but not of the world? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. we have to be part of the world. We have to do some things. Yes. But how can we live our lives in a way that says, I am different than you? Um, you need to be like the way I am. And I, you know, and let's talk about it. It's, it's, it's not like a forceful thing, but it is a it's a thing where we use the 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 discipleship method. You know, we teach people, we we train them in the ways of God. And then because we're doing that, they are naturally persuaded to to the the laws of God and 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 seeing the further fulfillment that that really, I mean, it's already written on their heart, and the Holy Spirit enlightens them to that. So mm-hmm. um there's that community uh, purity there that's reinforced there at the end of Nehemiah. And 
these reforms that Ezra and Nehemiah put in place um, are the basis for the Judaism. And I think this is interesting. This kind of becomes the foundation for the Judaism that Jesus has raised in. Um, and it's it's really becomes the second temple Judaism becomes the the foundation for the the sprouting and the the planting and the growth of the church in the New Testament. Um, mm. You know, you and and you end up with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and and they do their thing, and and then Paul comes in and like blows the whole thing up because he's like the best Pharisee out of all of them, and he's like, I know your stuff better than you do, and you're stupid, and here's what you need to be doing because here's the way Jesus taught us to do it. Um, and so all of that's going to come. So it's really a setup for what's going to be coming in the New Testament. Um, so yeah, there is Ezra, a super quick rundown of Ezra and Nehemiah. And anything else you want to add to that? I don't think so. Um, we, we blew through that. Yeah, and we did. that is, I think how we're going to, we're going to keep trying to get through these as quickly as we can, um, not getting yep. hung up too much and chase too many rabbits. But um, we we basically want to give you guys like almost like a little a starting point, a talking point to mm-hmm. just dive in for yourself. Yeah, um, that's the goal. And that is, I mean, we're trying not to make these as long as some of our past episodes have been. Um, and so because we want you to we want you to take the time and read. We want you to take the time and be in the scripture. You know, I'd rather you be in the scripture than listening to us rattle on about it. Um, But, but yeah, so we want to give you these quick summaries just so you have kind of like a starting point, a diving in point to say, I'm going to go, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this and the bull by the horns and we're going to do this. So, so um, next week we're going to jump into the book of Esther. We're going to do our uh, fly through this so what it feels like we're doing every week is flying through these. So if you want to go ahead and get a head start on those, you can, or on that, you can read the book of Esther in the coming week in preparation for our episode next week. Or if you want to wait until after we discuss and then dive into it, you could do that too. You we're, could. we're not going to tell you how, how to do what you want to do. So, uh, but next week we're going to get into the book of Esther and um, we're going to keep on going. We're, uh, we're, we're about to get into some really good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been in good stuff before, you know, but I mean, we're next week is Esther. And then we're going to get into Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I mean, we're going to get into some some good stuff here. Song so. of Solomon will be a good one. We might bring our wives on for Song of Solomon. Probably not. My wife will not come on here. <laughs> my my wife would 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 rather not do that, I think. So, um <laughs> We'll speak on their behalf, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, but so next week is Esther. We're going to actually wrap up um, the narrative of Israel section mm-hmm. of the of the book, and then following that, we're going to get into the uh, the writings of Israel. So, yep. um, like I said, if you want to read ahead, go ahead and uh, read the book of Esther in the next week or so, and uh, we'll discuss Esther next next week. Yes, 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 yes. It's a good book. Man, can I pray for us as we as we wrap it up tonight? You sure can. Let me do that. Let's do it. God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for the time that we have. I thank you for Michael and us just being able to sit down and discuss this. And, and we thank you for your word that you gave us uh, to talk about. Um, mm. God, that we can look to the nation of Israel and we can see them as an example of 
things that we should be doing as Christians, as believers in the Christ, in the Lord Christ Jesus. But God also thinks that we shouldn't be doing the things that we should avoid, uh, that we can learn the lesson of those who came before us. And so, God, I pray that you would teach us, you would train us, you would mold our minds, the Holy Spirit, that you would make our minds uh, into something that is glorifying to you. Um, that everything that we do, then everything, everybody that we interact with, God, that we can be a representation of the risen Lord Jesus to the world that is around us, that we can example that and we can be good and faithful witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ on a daily basis, wherever we are, in our jobs, in our schools, in our homes, in our communities, whether we're coaching sports, baseball, soccer, football, whatever it is, God, uh, that we can be an example in a light shining like a, a, a light on a hill, a city on a hill, God, that we can be that for the world that is around us. Yeah. Pray that you would take our discussion, you would bless it, uh, you would multiply it, and you would uh, make it fruitful, not for our glory, God, but for your glory. And we pray and ask all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we say, Amen. Amen. So, Michael, if they want to find us on places of social media, where would they find us? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for uh, the Beers and Bible podcast and finding our logo. I'm not sure how many Beers and Bible podcasts there are on Facebook, but there are be- zero. We are the only one and we are the best because well, we're the only one. I haven't done my research on that, so I can't tell you if we're the only one or not. But um, and then you can also email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions about anything we've discussed on the podcast or if you have any beer suggestions that you would like for us to review. We'd love to hear those from you as well. And if we review a beer that you suggest, uh, we may give you a shout out on the podcast shout if out. it matters to you or not. And I'm not sure if that's going to be uh, like a encourager for anybody, but I'm going to throw that out there. If you if we review a beer, you suggest we will give you a shout out. Heck yeah, we will. So, well, until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.